the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're always delighted when you join us here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. <clears throat> once again, folks, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, ever-popular Alan Dempsey uh, does our engineering, does it well. Andrew Herdliska produces this show each weekend for us. We couldn't operate with those two gentlemen. Uh, and in the first half hour, Greg Mott joins us from Houston, senior pastor of Houston's First Baptist Church, and his new book is out. It's called Unstoppable Gospel, Living Out the World-Changing Vision of Jesus' First Followers. Uh, Baker Books put the book out. Uh, Greg, it's good to catch up with you. Thank you, Pat. It's good to be on your show. I Bef- appreciate you having me on. Before we plunge into this book, I know you've had some tough times with weather in Houston recently, Greg. What, what's the sense of uh, what's going on? Yes, it's it's flooded a ton, and and now we're we're coming out from under it. But uh, you know, the, the tough thing is a lot of these folks that have been flooded in these certain areas are ones that have been flooded before. So it's it just seems like it's a, a redo of things that we've had before. But you know, this is a time when the church can stand up, and we've been trying to make a difference with our church members, church staff members that have been flooded, and just really give them a helping hand. And that's when when we can be the action of Jesus of, of helping folks out. Greg, tell me about your new book. What what's uh, the story behind it? Yeah, it's Unstoppable Gospel is based upon Acts, where you end up in the book of Acts at the beginning. The disciples are scared. They're hiding in an upper room. They're wondering what's going to go on. And then at the end of the book, it says, and the gospel went forth unhindered. And so you go from this scared group of folks to the end of the book. It is a momentum just going forward of making a difference. And so that's that's what the, the words unstoppable gospel mean. It is something that is unstoppable. God is for it. And so how did these people that were scared hiding in the upper room, which really explains a lot of Christians in, in a lot of ways in our political cli- uh, climate, our, our worldly climate, all of that, and we're hiding, how do we get back in the game and really being able to live out the plan that God has for us so that that you know the gospel goes unhindered, unstoppable, as it says in the last few verses of Acts. Uh, Greg, here is your first topic: mission in motion. The gospel's shockwaves are just getting started. Yes, it's it's great when you when you think about it. People don't realize in the book of Acts. It's it's like an earthquake. It starts in the epicenter of Jerusalem, then goes out to Judea and Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. But it also starts with the Jews, then it goes to the Samaritans, then it goes to the Gentiles, and which is most of us. So you see that in Acts 2 to the Jews, and Acts 8 to the Samaritans, and Acts 10 to the Gentiles and everybody else. So it's, it's a mission that's in motion. It's not just being talked about. It's happening. God is doing something. And I love the phrase that some commentators say, that it's called the book of Acts, not the book of tries. Mm. Um, you know, it's not the book of attempts. Um, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit of God doing his work and taking it out from this epicenter, um, which is really the epicenter of our hearts, into our neighborhoods, into our lives, into our families, into our workplaces. And it's it's in motion and moving forward, and it's unstoppable. And now let's get to this topic, the power line, the force that moves God's hand. You know, people could probably, if they thought about it long enough, go, okay, what would that be? And that's just the word, being a prayerful person, um, that we are prayerful and then letting God do His work. And also in the book of Acts, you see a lot of fasting. 
And Pat, to be honest with you, fasting was something I would hear about, and I think that's kind of Navy SEAL Christians, you know. <laughs> they're they're moving at a higher octane than what, what I am. But my wife and I, we, we did a Daniel fast for the first time um, uh, before writing this book, and, and it was amazing because I realized that fasting is not just going without food. It's a matter of going after God. And so it's not just a willpower to make it through the day. It's something to say, Lord, I am hungry for something different. And you see the power of prayer and fasting in the book of Acts. And when you see that, you watch it work out to be something just incredible of what God does. Um, I, I say in the book there, too, there's a lot of times we'll have, I try to have three steps in my day. I pray, I plan, and then I proceed. Um, and, you know, it works great for a preacher because it's got all P's, you know, so it's, it's alliterated. <laughs> but uh, what most people do is they proceed, then they start planning, then they start praying when things aren't working out. And if we can reverse that to pray, plan, and proceed, and even giving fasting a shot and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to hunger for something deeper, then we've got the power line. Now, that doesn't obligate God. That's not what I'm trying to say. But once you get the the, the aspect of, of I'm trying to, to get on him, um, you know, I'm trying to get on his plan instead of trying to get him on my plan, then we're able to really see that power line of God do his work. And it's just like in the book of Acts of him using the prayers of the people to accomplish his will. What is a Daniel fast? Yeah, Daniel fast, that's a good good question. Uh, what we did, there's different ways to do it. You can do it different lengths. But in the book of Daniel, he basically says, you know, I'm not going to eat the richness of foods uh, and all of the things that, that were there at the king's table. So what we did is we basically ate, it was basically kind of fruits and vegetables is what it was for 10 days. And some people do it longer, some people do it shorter. And, man, I want you to know, Pat, it was tough on this. I'm a Texan. We eat beef. You know, that's <laughs> what we do. My my father-in-law's a rancher. I mean, we, we got cattle uh, and those sort of things. So it was very, very difficult. And so, But what I did is I journaled every day, and I fasted each day. Um, for a different year in my kids' lives, which is, sounds crazy, in a different year in the, the church's life even. So my son right now is is 14, and he was 12 when we did this. Um, and so I was fasting on day two for when he was 14, and day three when he was 15. So I'd just take the day and add it to his, his life. And just thinking about, okay, what's a 15-year-old going to go through? All right, he's entering high school. Lord, I'm fasting today, asking that you'd give him the friends he needs when he enters high school. And I just wanted to put, it was at our 10-year anniversary here at the church, and I wanted to fast for the next 10 years to be able to say each day on one of those next 10 years for the church, for my family, for my ministry. Um, and so I just, we ate fruits and vegetables basically for 10 days, uh, which my wife loved, but it was a beat down for me. Um, you know, I, I had trouble with it. But that's what God was doing. That's what was great. The sacrifice was worth it. Greg Mott is our guest from Houston. <clears throat> We're talking about his book, Unstoppable Gospel. Uh, the next topic, Greg, I want you to talk about is going global, God's power unleashed through the church. This is where we get to the, the famous part of, of Acts that a lot of folks know, and it's Acts 1-8, where it says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, um, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so here we have the Lord sends His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, and His power comes. And so going global, then they move from Jerusalem, and they're going to move out, and they're going to change the world so that we're here in America not even close to being discovered at that time, allowing you know God's Spirit and His work to be done now. So we've got to get our minds around the fact that the gospel and what God wants to do is a global thing. It's not just a southern thing. It's not just a Florida thing or a Texas thing. This is something that He wants to do throughout the entire world. And so that births in our heart a love for missions. That births in our heart a love for, for people that are outside of America. I mean, we love our country and are proud of it. But we know that God's not an American. You know, he is a global God and through all of history before America existed and even now as we do exist. And so this is the part where we just get our mind around that the church and the people of God are about the world. I think about it, I have a couple relatives, and they basically, they, their worldview is so small. You know, they, they don't travel which you don't have to travel, but they just see everything very microcosm, and they're mm. really frustrated 
because their microcosm doesn't go as well. But when I get around people that have been around the world and I go, okay, I'm complaining because my Internet is out, but I remember somebody in you know Haiti or China or El Salvador that didn't even have food. That puts it into perspective. So God's a global God, and that's what he's doing in the book of Acts, is sending it from the epicenter out to the world. Greg Mott is with us. Uh, Greg is a senior pastor of Houston's First Baptist Church, founder of Breakaway Ministries at Texas A&M University, where he was located for many years, and he writes well. Uh, Unstoppable Gospel is his latest work. Number four topic, Greg, All Roads to the Cross, Why Jesus is the Answer to Every Question. When we come back from the break, I want you to explain that one, Greg. Greg Mott is our guest. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. The world financial markets are a mess. Nasty surprises are lurking every time you check your portfolio statement. How long before the U.S. dollar is devalued or even replaced as a world reserve currency? Is your retirement portfolio protected against a potential dollar devaluation brought on by today's market mayhem? You need to be prepared. If your portfolio doesn't have any actual physical gold or silver, you may be at a huge financial risk. Once again, gold and silver are the only real money, and they've both successfully passed every possible challenge for centuries. However, not all precious metals holdings are created equal. American Bullion is the pioneer in gold IRAs, and we know what does and doesn't qualify for a tax-free, penalty-free rollover. American Bullion has a simple IRS-approved process for transferring your IRA or 401k paper assets into physical gold and silver. Call the experts at 800-445-4546. Protect your IRA or 401k. Call American Bullion at 800-445-4546. 800-445-4546. Hey, I'm Chris Brown, host of Chris Brown's True Stewardship, brought to you by Ramsey Solutions. As a husband and father, I know the stress of managing family finances. And as a pastor, I've seen how handling money poorly can tear apart lives. Well, imagine what life would be like if there were no car payments, student loans, or money fights. What if your finances could be worry-free? God has a lot to say about money. Tune in. Chris Brown's True Stewardship from Ramsey Solutions. Don't miss it. Weekday afternoons at 2, right after New Life Live. I'm with Steve Arterburn, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Greg Mott is our guest from Houston. We're talking about his book, Unstoppable Gospel. Uh, dive into this one, Greg, All Roads to the Cross, Why Jesus is the Answer to Every Question. Yes, it's a it's a great chapter and a great thought to be able to say, okay, what's the answer? We all have so many questions. I mean, we're confused about everything in the world, it seems like. And we all have a, a to-do list as well, and we're trying to get our to-do list done, and we're trying to get our questions answered. And and you just see, when you when you open up the, the Scriptures, you just see a, a real simplicity that everything is about the cross and everything is about who Christ is. And so if I can, if I can get my to-do list to be basically, I want to glorify God today then that changes everything. Now I can handle the struggles, the things that don't go well. I can trust that God's got an answer for that. And then I can take it take it to the Lord and say, okay, God, I, I trust you. Now, for me as a type A person, I, I have, I love to-do lists. You know, even today, I have to embarrassingly admit this, and this happens a lot. I wrote down things on my to-do list today that I already had done. <laughs> so I could feel the, the value of, of making a check, you know, next to it. Um, so it, it's crazy. But what I need to have is I need to have a to-do list that basically says, I want to glorify God. And you look at Christian history, Pat, and the authors that wrote maybe 100 years ago, 200 years ago, whatever it is about the Lord, they're going to write, and the theme of what they're going to write is, how do you glorify God? 
Now you look at a lot of the, the authors that are written writing now in, in Christianity, and they're writing, how do I have a great life? Now, those can be connected, but that can't be the number one to-do list of how do I have a great life because my life is a vapor. But if I put my life on my to-do list of how do I glorify God, that changes everything. And that's what the, the disciples and the apostles did. And in the book of Acts, and every time they talked, they were talking about Jesus. They weren't talking about themselves, about you know their fishing career, how, to, how they got better nets once they found Jesus. It was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So much that in the, the Bible it says that uh, they were ordinary, unschooled men, but they could tell that they had been with Jesus. Mm. And so they kept that as a central focus. And you think about these fishermen talking in front of the Sanhedrin. This is an intimidating crew. These guys are used to nets and boats and the smell of fish, and they're now before leaders. And so we've got to have our to-do list to basically say, I'm going to glorify Christ today. I'm going to go to the cross. Um, my daughter, a little funny story, I have an eight-year-old daughter. She said to me, she said, Daddy, you don't know everything about God, about Jesus. And I said, well, that's true. And I didn't know, you know what she was being smart aleck or what. And then she said, um, said that. And I said, you know, I don't. And she said, but you know what? And I said, what? And she goes, Jesus knows everything about you. <laughs> and I went, okay, that's sweet. And that's, that puts a trajectory into my day. When Jesus knows everything about me, I don't have to know everything about him. But that sets the course of how I'm going to live the day out. Hmm. By the way, Greg, uh, uh, let me talk to you for a minute about lists. Uh, my wife, Ruth, works for the Franklin Covey Company. She teaches time management and getting your life organized. And she says lists are important. And she says every time you check off something on your list, uh, that releases endorphins in your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a little high from the endorphins that are released when you check off on the list. So, so keep checking them you off. Check. I even took Franklin Covey class. You can tell her uh, years ago, man. I, I love that stuff. I'm a, I'm a list guy myself. Let's uh, let's talk about the next topic. Uh, love in three words. Why the church exploded? Yeah, this, this is a great. This is just really applicable. I hope the listeners will really grab this one. The three words are prayer, care, and share. Prayer, care, and share. That's the three steps um, in, in our ministry to people with the unstoppable gospel. And anybody can do that. So the first thing you do is you're praying. You're saying, okay, Lord, open up the door. We like to say it here at our church um, that we want you to pastor your street. You know, consider yourself, if you're the believer on the street, consider yourself the pastor of that street. Mm. Pick out eight houses, you know, four across the street, four next to you, and just, just get to know those folks. Pray for them. Care for them. Share with them. I give you a great example. Our next door neighbor, um, we prayed for her a ton and lifted her up in prayer. And she was an older lady. And then we would say, "Hey, Miss Riley, is there anything we could do for you? We're going to the store. Can we get you some milk? Can we help you?" My kids would help rake her yard. I mean, just just sweet things like that. Then we got an opportunity to share Christ with her and led her to Christ at mm. eighty something years old, standing mm. in her driveway. Um, and it was just amazing. So, but it all began in that progression: prayer, care, and share. And you see that in Acts. They're praying. Then it says that they were sharing their goods with one another. Uh, you know, and then they, they, that was the care part. And then they were sharing Jesus with each other. That they were devoting themselves to the Word of God. So it's a real simple thing. And if people will just today just start praying for somebody around them, pastor in their street. You know, God will open up the doors for you to be able to care for them, and then you'll be able to share share with them. And a lot of times we're trying to jump to the share part before we've done the prayer and the care part. Number six topic uh, here, Greg, for us, not from us, secrets of the generous heart. Oh, man, I, I love um, when you think about generosity. Some people get a little bit crazy, like, well, the church is always after money or ministries are always after money. It's not something that God wants from us. It's something that God wants for us. That's a key differentiation. People think that God wants us to give of our resources of time and finances because it's something that he wants from us, like God's poor and he's begging on the street. It's something he wants for us. And the more we get about being generous in our hearts, then that's what we really want to see the Lord do. So in our church, as we were going through these things, we began to talk about generosity. And we asked everybody to take a step up, and not just monetarily, but we used a generosity ladder um, that I mentioned in the book, that Nelson Searcy is the first one that came up with this. But just, you know, if you're, if you're only given once or twice, become a regular giver. If you're a regular giver, become a tither. If you're a tither, become an extravagant giver. And just keeping a step up. 
And we saw in our lives, just personally, God did some miracles in our family's life. We stepped up at our church, and we, we felt like God wanted us to double tithe. So we gave 20% of our income uh, for a certain time in our, our church. And in our personal lives, three times we received unexpected money. Three times we got stuff for free we thought we'd have to pay for. We refinanced our house, Pat, and our, lowered our payments by a third. Um, mm. Then we were unknowingly unpaying our taxes and received twice as much back as we expected. So it doesn't always happen like that. I'm not a health and wealth guy. But I am a guy that says generosity is key. And if I'm stingy in my heart before the Lord, it's going to show in my checkbook. But if I realize this is something God wants for me and not from me, and I just take that next step, then God begins to do some great things. And we see these early believers giving everything they have, selling it all, and going for it. And so you just... You never know what God's going to do, but you, you need to be faithful and to be able to be a giver. I want to be known as a giver. I don't want to be known as a keeper, and um, and that's that's a big difference. And then I'm in a place where God can use me for an eternal difference instead of just a shirt. Greg Mott is with us from Houston. Unstoppable Gospel is his book. That's what we're talking about. Okay, Greg, at the corner of now and eternity, how life happens at intersections. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you a story on this one to try to illustrate what I'm saying. I was in seminary, and I was getting ready for a theology test in the seminary that we met at, or my seminary was meeting at, at Houston Baptist University. So there was there's not, not just seminary people there. It was all sorts of kids. So um sitting there, and I got a shirt on that says, Six Hours One Friday. It was a retreat I had spoken at about the cross. And this guy comes up to me while I'm studying for a theology test, Pat, and he, he says can you tell me about your shirt? And I'm like, are you, what do you mean? So he wants to hear about Christ. And I had this weird moment. Do I study for my theology test? Do I share Jesus with this guy? <laughs> you know. And then I, I felt like a young Pharisee is what I felt like. Mm. And I shared Christ with him, led him to the Lord, took mm. off running to my theology class, mm. got there late, and the teacher said, why are you late? And I said, I just led this guy to Christ. And I said, you know, can I get extra credit on the test, you know, for leading, leading the kid for Christ? And, you know, and the teacher said, this is great. He says, you're saved by grace, but you graduate by works. You don't get any extra credit. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And it showed to me, though, that a lot of times life's happening at those intersections we're not expecting. It's when we bump into somebody at the mall, we can give a word of encouragement. We see somebody we hadn't seen in a while at the Little League ball field. We have a parent, uh, you know, another parent in the classroom that we can encourage. And those little intersections that a lot of times we're too busy for, mm. that's where we need to be, have our eyes open because God works in those intersections. And that's what happened with that T-shirt. Um, I was busily studying, and, you know, that wasn't the, the what God wanted to do. And so if we can see the intersections of life, and I, I, I promise you today, some of the listeners today, they're going to bump into somebody and they're going to think about this moment that they're listening to us on the radio and go, okay, here's my intersection. How can I be an ambassador for Jesus at this point? Craig, now I want you to talk about Courageous at the Flashpoint, showing grace under fire. Right. We live in a contrary Christianity world. Uh, it, it, it can get scary to be a Christian in the days that we're, we're in right now, um, and particularly when we see what's happening around the world. Mm. Um, and so you see in the book of Acts, these men, they stand up when they say, look, we're going to beat you if you don't stop talking about Jesus. And they go, well, we're going to keep talking about Jesus. We're going to imprison you. Well, the angels are going to set us free. And they have a lot of things that happen um, that are courage under fire. And we've got to be believers that have courage under fire. We need to be winsome. We need to be kind. We need to be um, the aroma of Christ. But at the same time, we need to be courageous enough to stand. Um, there's so many legal things that are happening. Even in our own city here in Houston, we had a lot of stuff that made national news that I, I had to decide as a pastor, am I going to stand up or not stand up? And stood up, and a newspaper wrote an article on our church and our stance on some things. We had 400 comments on the Internet um, underneath the article. All of them were basically negative and that I'm an idiot. You know, and none of these people even know me or know our church, but they're speaking, you know, unlimited opinions with limited information. And you just got to take the hit and be able to say, you know what, I'm going to stand and I'm going to be a person of courage because I want to be an Esther. 
You know, I want to be a Daniel. I want to be a Paul. I want to be a man of God, a woman of God that stands even when it's difficult because then you don't know what's going to happen after um, you take, take those steps of standing up. Greg Mutt is with us, Unstoppable Gospel, the name of his new book. Now, how much would you pay the meaning of sacrifice? I want you to explain that. Yeah, Stephen, um, in the in the book of Acts, he's the first martyr of the church, um, and you know I, I, what a what an honor, what an amazing thing to be the first one to give your life for the for the church in that way. Um, and we we read in the, in the scriptures it says that he fell asleep. You know, he was gone, a violent death, but peaceful in, in going. And what we have to learn from that is our sacrifice. Uh, is, is probably for most of us not going to be a, a physical sacrifice. But we will have a social sacrifice at times as Christians. Um, our, we might not get invited to the same parties. We might not be the same uh, friend group that we have. People might not understand. But if we will say, you know what, Lord, you sacrifice for me. I want to sacrifice for you. Now, again, we want to be winsome. We want to be great witnesses for Christ. We're, we don't, we're not trying to be you know, crazy activists, but we're, we're wanting to be people that say, Lord, I, I'll pay the price for you, and I'll trust you of what you are doing um, in my life. Uh, in 320, there's a story told that the Roman soldiers basically got these guys out on a frozen lake, and they stripped them down naked, and they said, um, if you will renounce Christ, you can go get in this warm bath that was on the on the shore. And the people began to just die. And a couple of them renounced Christ and went and ran to the tub. And the Roman soldiers saw the people dying for their faith. And one of the Roman soldiers then ran out to die on the uh, ice to take the place of the man who, who had gone to the warm bath. And the witness of the death of these men was something that changed his heart. And we even see it at the cross when Jesus died, and the Roman soldier looks up and says, surely this is the Son of God. So our sacrifice actually shines with the gospel. Uh, Greg, we've got about 30 seconds to do the 10th point, new and lasting, when God transforms. Yeah, when God does something great, he just changes our lives, and it's lasting forever. There's a transformation that takes place. And that's what's so great about, about being a Christian, um, is that it's not something I've got to unction up and try to get going in my life. Instead, it's something that God can do. And if I'll surrender, then he can make that place of transformation. Greg Mott has been our guest here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Greg, a million thanks. Wonderful to talk to you, and I wish you nothing but the best in Houston at your church, and uh, may this book sell many copies. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Greg Mott has been our guest in the first half hour. We've got more after this, folks. Uh, This is Pat Williams, and we do this show every weekend right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Never know how. When you pick up an Evercraft 26-piece screwdriver set for $19.99 at Napa, you're not just getting 26 beautiful chrome-plated instruments. You're getting something that shows the world if there's a problem, you've got 26 ways to tackle it. That's $19.99 for a 26-piece screwdriver set and 26 ways to show you're the man for any job that requires screwdrivers. That's Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Offer expires 531.16. Have you ever had a time when you felt you heard God's whisper? This may be one of those times. If you or someone you know is pregnant, adoption is a positive alternative and a truly brave decision you don't need to make alone. Life for Kids is a private, nonprofit Christian and licensed adoption agency serving women who are pregnant, their unborn babies, and the adoptive families who are praying you will choose life. Life for Kids offers compassionate counseling, adoption planning, information, and support. 
Have you considered adopting? Life for Kids serves Christian couples called by God to adopt, and they've placed children into loving Christian homes for over 20 years. Is this the whisper you've been waiting for? Adoption is a positive choice. Life for Kids will walk with you on your adoption journey. Visit lifeforkids.com. That's lifeforkids.com. lifeforkids.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. That was uh, Greg Mott in the first half hour, senior pastor of Houston's First Baptist Church. Uh, Chris Whaley is with us. Uh, delighted that we can hook up. Uh, Chris is uh, local. Uh, he's an employee at First Baptist Church Orlando, author of The Masked Saint, uh, inspired by the true event. We're going to have a good chat with Chris, and uh, here he is. How you doing, Chris? Oh, very good, Mr. Williams, and it's great to be with you today. Uh, when you say, when it says that you're an employee at uh, the church I go to, First Baptist Church Orlando, tell me about that, Chris. Well, I am the uh, legacy adult pastor at First Baptist Orlando, which means that I am the pastor for the senior adults, mm, which that, is something I that, thoroughly love. That's me, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and me. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Chris Whaley grew up in Auburndale, Florida, graduated from Palm Beach Atlantic and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He wrestled for 10 years as the saint, and his last three years in wrestling was while he was a student at Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, we got an interesting chat. First of all, let me ask you to tell us about your book, The Masked Saint, Husband, Pastor, Hero. What, what's the book about, Chris? What, why did you write it? Well, the book is about a professional wrestler who becomes a Baptist minister. And as a Baptist minister, runs into some situations that are handled uh, a little bit differently than the normal pastor would uh, handle them. Um, I, I don't know why uh, God has seen to put some people in my life that were bullies, lots of bullies. Mm. And bullies, you know, bullies only pick on people that they know they can beat. And bullies um, have no remorse in what they do, and they just uh, continually do what they what's inside of them, and that is to be bullies and pick on people. And unfortunately, um, I, I've run across a lot of them in my lifetime. And as a pastor, it started um, very early as a pastor with a, a young lady who was being um, uh, abused by her husband, which we'll get to that later. But that's that's basically it, Mr. Williams, just uh, finding those situations where um, I was able to step in and help those people who were being abused. And, you know, it says on the um, cover of the book, it says, husband, pastor, hero. Uh, to be honest with you, anyone can be a hero if they're willing to get involved in the lives of people that are being abused. Chris, tell me how you got involved with professional wrestling. Well, as I was growing up, um, I was a sickly child constantly in and out of the hospital from first grade until uh, junior high school, constantly in and out of the hospital, mostly with pneumonia. Uh, in the fourth grade, I had um, polio and uh, viral encephalitis. I was in the hospital for like three months. Um, just a real skinny, sickly child, but I had a wonderful, wonderful Christian doctor, and he refused to let me give up, and uh, he was able to uh, help me, and, and God gave him great wisdom to be able to help me, and and he, he's the one that inspired me to get into the gym and work out and uh, swimming and eating right and doing all of those things, and so... Uh, once they got a hold on uh, the reason why I, I was constantly going in and out of the hospital, which was my allergies, I had about 200 of them, and once they got that under control, I started putting on weight. And so I didn't have the opportunity to play sports as a child, And but uh, being in and out of the hospital, I loved watching professional wrestling, which always seemed to be on TV late at night whenever I could not sleep. And so... I just really love professional wrestling, the good guy against the bad guy, and the good guy usually winning. And um, when my wife and I graduated from Palm Beach Atlantic and we came back to Central Florida, she was teaching 
she was a high school math teacher, and she was teaching at her alma mater, which is Kansas City High School. Uh, I was looking to see where God was going to lead me as a youth minister, and I saw an ad in the Tampa Tribune that said, wanted professional wrestlers. This was back in 1978. And so I showed it to my wife and she rolled her eyes and I said, I'm going to do this. And so I drove over to Tampa, took a bag with me, walked into the gym. And there was uh, one of the guys that I watched growing up, the great Malenko. And um, that night I put the trunks on and got into the ring and started my uh, professional wrestling career. And uh, I just, I was hooked from the moment that I walked in. What did you learn from those 10 years? What was it like? Well, actually, it was very helpful for the uh, for the ministry. I've been a, a pastor for 30 years, and you deal with uh, a lot of ups and downs as a pastor. There's some situations that seem uh, that um, it's unwinnable, but we know we serve an awesome God, and with Him, uh, nothing is impossible. But he he really uh, taught me some great lessons about not getting uh, not giving up. Uh, even when you lose, you can still come back, and um, I, I just have so many uh, lessons from that that really uh, I'll carry with me to my grave. Uh, your book starts with this topic in the first chapter, Chris. It says simply says, starting over. Uh, what's that about? Well, I, I go to my, my last match uh, hoping that uh, I'll go out uh, a winner. Uh, most people like to say that wrestling is choreographed. It's not choreographed. There's a lot of times I didn't even know who I was going to work against until I got to the arena. Uh, but you do know who's going to win. You know who's going to win. You know who's going to lose. The promoter decides that. And I was certainly hoping that I could go out on the uh, winning end. And uh, as it turned out, I uh, went out on a draw, which was okay with me. But uh, that was a, a night that uh, I'll always remember that the last time professionally that I got into the ring and uh, getting ready to start uh, what God had called me to do, and that was to be a pastor. Chris, by the way, uh, how big were you uh, during your wrestling days? In my day, there were a lot of guys my size. Uh, this day and age with Vince McMahon and the WWE, he loves the big guys, but I was uh, 5'10". I weighed uh, 225 pounds. When I graduated from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, in 1988, um, I weighed 225 pounds and had a 33-inch waist. Uh, and then gravity started getting a hold after I got into the ministry. But uh, <laughs> I was not a huge, huge guy. I wrestled a lot of huge guys, but uh, I wasn't a big guy. But um, there were, amazingly, a lot of guys my size in the business in those days. 225. And, you, and, and those big guys, what did they weigh? Were they close to 300 pounds? Uh, yeah, I I wrestled the uh, the Undertaker. He was like three fifteen. Mm. Wrestled uh, actually wrestled several uh, pro football players. Wrestled a linebacker for the Houston Oilers. Wrestled a couple of offensive linemen. One from the Saints. One from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, wrestled some defensive linemen too. And those were all big guys trying to extend their career after football. So. Uh, I, I worked against some, some pretty big guys. And, of course, I had a tag team partner one time, uh, Solomon Grundy, and Solomon weighed 465. I was certainly glad he was on my side. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. <clears throat> now we move to this topic, uh, the trip back to Florida. That's the second uh, chapter you write about, Chris. What's happening now? Well, it's, it's amazing uh, when we're at the airport. Uh, my two little girls, who are now grown and wonderful, godly young ladies, but uh, they were so excited about going back to Florida and seeing their uh, papa and their nanny and and the possibility of us uh, going back to Florida to uh, serve in a church. So they're, they've got their noses up against the window, and I'm just walking around, and I see a couple of guys that are uh, abusing uh, an elderly man who happened to walk into He was looking down at his ticket and walked into them, and, and uh, they decided to uh, uh, pick on this elderly man, and I had the opportunity to uh, talk to them about what they did, and uh, that took place. My wife didn't even know about it, and we 
we uh, sit there and wait on the planes. And my wife says, um, so what, what have you been doing? And I said, oh, nothing, just walking around, take <laughs> my time. But uh, anyway, uh, it was just a great excitement about the opportunity to go back to Florida. I love Florida. Uh, now I want you to talk about the interview. That's another topic you write about. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, these days, and uh, and all I know is Southern Baptist. That's the I, I went from being a fifth degree redneck who was a Christian who happened to be a Southern Baptist, and that's all I know. And they are a lot of churches are very, very meticulous in how they interview their prospective pastors. And so I knew that I was going to be going. Uh, in front of this uh, committee of people to interview and just the, the nervousness that goes with that. Uh, I used to call it a dog and pony show. You've got to do everything you can to uh, let them know that you're able to handle anything that comes up as a pastor. And so I was, you know, nervous. Matter of fact, I was more nervous uh, in this interview than I was in a ring with a 300-pound man. Really? Because. It was just uh, a real nervous time. Uh, talk about the beginning. Mm-hmm. What went well, on? Ac- yeah, actually, um, there's a very special lady in in my life that I met when I was a, a child growing up in Auburndale, Florida. Um, there was a precious little lady by the name of uh, Miss Edna. Her name, um, I just always called her Miss Edna, and she was just so wise and. I met her very early in my childhood and knew her until I was uh, in high school and learned so many valuable lessons from her. Matter of fact, each chapter in the book will have a lesson that I learned from her. Mm. Uh, Whatever I encountered, it seems like there was something that I learned from her that helped me in those encounters. And so that's the beginning of uh, my relationship uh, with Miss Edna that helped me so much. Now we get into this topic, The Masked Saint Begins. Mm-hmm. I had a, a precious young lady uh, who would drop her children off uh, and then come into the service on Sunday morning. She would be the last person to come into the building, and she would be the, the first person to leave. I uh, did not have the opportunity to get to know her very well. And then one Sunday she came in wearing sunglasses, which was a little unusual. And I always stood at the front of the door and shook hands with people. And that day, she was the last person to come out of the building. And when she came out, she took my hand and had her head down. And I could see the tears rolling down her cheek. And I I just leaned over and lifted the sunglasses. And she had two black eyes, which really infuriated me. Any man that would hit a woman is a dirtbag. And so I told her I was going to go and visit her husband. And she really freaked out and said, no, I'm, you know, he'll hurt you and so forth. And I said, I'm not really worried about that. So uh, I did. I went to their house and I, I said, uh, I just came to see how you can do against somebody who can fight back. You do pretty good against women, but uh, mm. let's see how you can do against somebody who can fight back. Mm. Bullies bullies only know one, uh, one way of dealing with things. And so, it, you know, perhaps it wasn't the greatest uh, thing that, a great way to start off in my ministry. But the great thing was is that he never hit her again. And mm. I was thankful for that. Uh, now I want you to talk about the hypocrite, uh, that section. What's that about? Yeah, well, every church has a hypocrite. You know, they, they talk about the hypocrites in the church. And to be honest with you, we're all hypocrites at one time or another. We all have our hypocritical moments. But this guy... He owned a business in the town and was constantly blowing his testimony. Um, I would have people visit the church, and when I would visit them, they would ask me about this guy. And they said, the guy that owns that business, is he a member of the church? And I would kind of put my head down and say, yes, I'm, yes, he is. And they'd say, okay, we won't be back. And I would get in the car and go straight to his business and say, let me tell you about a visit that I just made, and let me tell you what these people said. And I said, your testimony is hurting our church, and you need to change your ways. And he became pretty belligerent. Um, I dealt with him for about five years. And then one Saturday, we were on the softball field, and uh, he – excuse me. I'm sorry. My, I'm losing my voice here. He um, was really being uh, his typical self and blowing his testimony. And I had had about all I could – could stand, really. I said, uh, 
I, I told him to shut up, and it shocked everybody on the team. It shocked me that I said it. And then he ran towards me, and it happened so fast. I mean, he ran towards me, and I just responded, and I knocked him on his rear end. Chris, hold your thoughts. we got to take a break. I want to hear the end of this. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More with Chris Whaley right after these messages, folks. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-269-2700. 800-269-2700. 800-269-2700. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Hi, this is Steve Preloff. It's a great blessing to be able to come into your home and cars via radio each weekday evening at 6.30 with verse by verse. The Apostle Paul told his young protege, Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That's my passion, to accurately understand and teach God's word of truth. I hope you'll tune in weekdays at 6.30 p.m. to verse by verse on WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Chris Whaley is with us from First Baptist Church in Orlando. We're talking about his book, The Masked Saint. Uh, Chris, before the break, you were telling us some story. I want you to finish it. Uh, It concerns the hypocrite in the church, and Mm. we were on the softball field, and he ran towards me. It happened so quick. I, I responded. It, it was just a natural response for me, but I, I knocked him on his rear end, and uh, when he woke up, he was not very happy and said he was going to get me fired. And mm. I had an, uh, an elderly deacon whose wife had passed away that I took to the softball game every Saturday, and we would usually go for pizza. And when we got in the car, I said, Bob, I don't feel like pizza. I think I'm going to take you home. He said, I understand. Mm. When I got home, my wife was uh, outside working in the yard, and and she said, how'd the game go? And I said, well, not very well. And she said, oh, did you lose? And I said, probably more than you will know. And I called the uh, chairman of deacons. I told him what had happened, and I said, uh, I'm so sorry. I've embarrassed the church, and please uh, call one of the retired ministers and get him to preach, and I'll meet with the leadership tomorrow, and I'll resign. Mm. Um about an hour later, he called me back, and he said, I talked to all the deacons, and they don't want the retired guy to preach. They want you to preach. And um, it would, really, I couldn't believe. But the next morning, we had two services, one at 8.30, one at 11. And at the 8.30 service, the guy that I hit was in the service. He was kind of chomping at the bits. And uh, uh, during the worship, I couldn't sing. I couldn't look at the people. And it was time for me to preach. And I just got up and turned around and looked at the people, and I said, you know, I've I've heard about people giving the Lord's work a bloody nose, but I never thought that I would be one of them. But I did, and I told them exactly what I did. I said, uh, I hit, and I called his name out, and I said, even though he's one of the most reprehensible human beings I've ever met, (laughs) that's no, no reason to hit him. And I've asked God to forgive me. I asked, I looked at him, I asked him to forgive me, and I said, to the congregation, um, I am a flawed human being. I'm not perfect, and I ask you to forgive me. 
And I told him I was meeting with the leadership and that I would uh, accept any any kind of punishment. And um, so I said, I, I, I couldn't get up there and preach without you knowing what I did. And so I preached. And uh, during the invitation, the guy came forward crying, and he apologized to me. Mm. And hugged and, uh, but then I had to do it all over again at 11 o'clock. And I guess the word had gotten out because that service was absolutely packed. And I, I, I made my same speech, and I, I said, well, I couldn't preach unless I told you what had happened. And I turned around, started to go up to the pulpit, and a guy on the second row stood up and said, I think we should stand in support of our pastor. And the entire church stood and applauded. Mm. Uh, and when my wife and I were driving home, I said, I don't know of another pastor in the state of Florida that could knock a member on his, of his church on his rear end and get a standing ovation, but I just did. <laughs> That's beautiful, Chris. <laughs> Quite a story. Now I want you to talk about another topic you write about. It's called an unlikely occupation. Right. What, what's that about? Well, being a uh, being a professional wrestler, and, and then being um, you know a pastor is just not something you see see every day. And no. Exactly what. Uh, you know, what I did, and that unlikely occupation was uh, being, you know, being a pastor after being a professional wrestler for so, for so long. Um, I didn't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll be a professional wrestler. Uh, I, I told you the story of how it all came about, and me uh, going over and, and uh, meeting the great Malenko and training for six months before I ever got into the ring, and it was uh, it was a great, great, great thing for me, not having the opportunity to participate in sports while I was growing up, and then to finally uh, be able to participate like I did. Um, the only thing I can say, it was, a, it was a God thing. God really blessed me in a lot of ways and, and enabled me to do that. Let's talk about this topic, the youth pastor. Mm. Well, I was wrestling, and then I got a call from a church who wanted, uh, you know, when you're 21, 22 years old, nobody wants a 21, 22-year-old pastor. And so if you want experience, you've got to do it as a youth pastor, which uh, I don't like that because I, I think youth ministry is a calling. It is it is not something that you do to spend your time before you become a pastor. But, but in those days, you had to do it. And so... I stepped aside from wrestling. I became a youth minister in a, a very large uh, church in uh, Polk County. And um, my wife was pregnant with our first child, and they were paying me $12,000 a year, and we were starving to death. And I went to the senior pastor, and I said, uh, you know, I, I do have a couple of nights off a week, and, and if I could wrestle a couple of nights, it would really help my family financially and he said absolutely not we're not gonna mm. we're, we're not gonna turn this church into a circus and i said okay uh, but later i was at home i was watching uh, wrestling and a friend of mine was working underneath a mask and i thought well there i go that that's it and so i changed uh, my gimmick I, I had a white mask white trunks white boots white cape and i began wrestling as the saint and so I was wrestling a couple of nights a week underneath the mask, but I was also a youth minister, and nobody but my wife knew about it. And I, I didn't take any time away from the church. I mean, I gave them, you know, over 100%. Um, and it was kind of interesting because I would show up with a black eye or with a broken nose or <laughs> a bum shoulder, and they would ask me, they said, what happened to you? And I said, well, I fell down. And I did. I fell down, but I had a lot of help doing it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now we talk about the outcast, Chris. Mm -hmm. Well, you have some some people who are really uh, searching for hope who come to the church. And I'm always so thankful whenever I'm able to share the hope of Jesus Christ with people. And uh, a young lady who was a, a prostitute came who was wanting to get out of that business and wanting to turn her life around. And unfortunately, in so many churches today, people like that are not welcome. Um, I had the opportunity to live next to T.B. Maston when I was a student at Southwestern. He's what is called the father of Christian ethics for Southern Baptists. And 
one day he asked me a question. He said, Chris, if Jesus physically came back to this earth, uh, where would you find him on a Sunday morning? And I, I didn't want to answer and show my ignorance, and so I just kind of pondered it. And he smiled and he said, well, you wouldn't find him at Gambrel Street Baptist or Travis Avenue Baptist. He said, you would find him on Hemp Hill Street with the prostitutes and with the dejected and the people who, who have no hope. Anywhere there are people who are hurting, that's where you would find Jesus. And I never forgot that. Mm. And uh, so when this lady showed up, I did everything I could to help her to turn her life around. It wasn't easy because you always have people who are condemning in the church, unfortunately, who see someone who's not dressed maybe as appropriately as they think they should be. Um, you know, I, I've always had that problem in churches is that we expect unsaved people to act like saved people, and they don't. And so, um, anyway, we overcame those problems, and uh, this young lady was able to turn her life around and get away from the uh, the man who was uh, controlling her. And um, it was just a great, great story. Chris, uh, talk about the mistake. That's the tenth topic in your book. Yeah. Well, uh, we all... We all make those mistakes in our life, and we hope that we can uh, overcome them. And I've certainly, certainly had my my share of them. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've never done anything more stressful in my life than be a pastor. Uh, you work with a faith based budget. Um, you, you deal with you know volunteers. Um, they expect you to hit a home run every time you get into the pulpit. It's just very very stressful. And it, it, it always feels good to, to get away for just a little while. And I happened to be on my way to um, an evangelism conference in South Florida and stopped at one of the um, service plazas on the turnpike. And uh, there were three guys that were just being obnoxious and harassing people. And um, they were butting in line. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And so I, I said, I just need to get to this evangelism conference. Please, Lord, just let me stay out of, out of this situation. So, But it didn't happen. Uh, they butted in front of people and harassing them. And I, I just said, why don't you guys you know, start acting like human beings and quit being such jerks? And so they decided to uh, come over and make me an issue. And it was, a, you know, I saw the uh, the movie uh, Sherlock Holmes, where the guy just kind of mentally uh, has a, a mental image of what's going to happen in a, a fight that he has. Chris Whaley has been our guest. You can read about the rest of that in his book called The Masked Saint. Uh, we have a wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 530 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, thanks a million for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Greg Mott was our guest in the first half hour from Houston talking about uh, Unstoppable Gospel. And then Chris Whaley here in Orlando, uh, author of The Masked Saint. Uh, please visit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com, uh, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, my latest book is out. It's uh, called Leadership Excellence. It's a revised, updated version in a beautiful new uh, cover. I think you'll enjoy it. It's in bookstores now. Uh, Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order these books that we uh, talk about on this show frequently. Uh, in the meantime... Uh, Have a great day in church tomorrow with your family and a wonderful week ahead. And we're back next weekend for more. 
right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.